Welcome to it. It's Husker Sports Weekly, episode number 122, your one-stop shop for all things Husker Sports. Happy Friday. It is Michigan weekend. I'm very excited that the week is over, basically, when we're recording this on Friday. So happy Friday to all of you. In today's episode, we will give our reaction to Nebraska Law Tech. We will preview Nebraska and Michigan. Of course, go over our picks from last week and give some new picks for this week and also just a a pretty great week of college football all around last weekend. So we'll go through that a little bit and we're not getting disappointed again this week. There's another great slate of games on deck for everybody in the college football world. So before we get into any of that, Connor Clark and Grant Hanson with you here. As always, you can find us on Twitter at C underscore Clark underscore 27 and at Hanson, not Hanson. Right. Ian, last name. Ends in E-N, not O-N. It ends in E-N, guys, not O-N. So spell it right if you want to find Grant on Twitter. You can find our show on Twitter at Husker Weekly and search Husker Sports Weekly in the search bar of your favorite podcast networks to find our show. Well, what a weekend of college football it was last weekend. Nebraska won 28-14. We saw the whole Oregon-Colorado tobacco go down. We had a phenomenal game in South Bend, Indiana between Notre Dame and Ohio State. Those were just the headliners, at least here in Huskerland. Um, so a, a great week of college football besides the Nebraska game, and I don't even think that you would answer with the Nebraska game, but your favorite game from last week. Yeah, that's a tough one. Uh, I, I really liked that Florida State-Clemson game. That was fun. Yes, that was a good game. Um, I really enjoyed that. I, I thought, man, it, it's got to feel – it's got to really hurt for Clemson um, you know, to have a, a win like that slip through your fingers. Uh, especially considering Duke seems to be actually fairly decent. We'll find out a lot more about Duke this week. But uh, I thought that game was entertaining start to finish. And Florida State surviving, I I think they might be a little bit high in their ranking. Um, But, again, you can't argue with winning, which is what they've done. So if they can find a way to be a little bit more consistent down the stretch and perhaps stretch those leads a little bit more, uh, they should be fine, I think. Yeah, really good games. That was a phenomenal one in the 11 a.m. window. I hate to be that guy, but I still think I'm going to say the Oregon game was my favorite. I mean, just yeah. an absolute. And this isn't even like, yeah, okay, we all wanted Oregon to beat Colorado, right? But the way in which Oregon played, especially in that first half, was, I mean, that, that was a beatdown. I mean, the yards, the points, the turnovers, whatever have, you have it. I mean, Otsman Stadium was absolutely electric on Saturday. Phenomenal atmosphere. Obviously, really good showing by the Ducks. It'll be really interesting to see how Colorado can bounce back against another really tough opponent, and they get them in Boulder in USC this weekend. That's big noon kickoff this week, so that's a fascinating game as well. But a lot of good games. You mentioned Florida State. You can't really argue with winning. They've beaten LSU. They have a road win against Clemson. There there you go. I mean, right. We'll really find out how good this Clemson team really is as the season goes on. Obviously, they, as you mentioned, had a win really just kind of slip out of their fingertips at home. So can't argue with that. Um, Had a couple of good Pac-12 games. Wazoo, my guys, one of the picks for me last week. They Mm -hmm. played extremely well against Oregon State last weekend at home. So that was another really, really entertaining game. It kind of sucks that the Pac-12 is this good in the last year of its existence, but, hey, we can uh, enjoy it while it lasts. So let's dive into uh, some Husker football here. Nebraska beats Louisiana Tech last week, 28-14, to and 
Well, it was kind of just like a blah game, I think is right. a good way to describe it. You had the lightning delay in the fourth quarter. Nebraska really wasn't ever out of control, but it wasn't really ever a dominant performance. Um, you had another touchdown catch from Billy Kemp. You had another touchdown catch from Thomas Fedoni. That's always good to see. Heinrich Harburg, 8 of 17 through the air for 107 yards and a touchdown. On the ground, 19 carries and 157 yards, which is a pretty remarkable number for Heinrich Harburg. We all know that he can run the ball, and he certainly proved that against Louisiana Tech last week. Anthony Grant with a nice day, 22 carries for 135 and a touchdown. So good things on the ground, not so good things through the air stat-wise and the question remains, can this offense pick it up and try and match the defense, which also to a lot of people had kind of a subpart day to, to their standard. Yeah, uh, yeah, you had some missed tackles early in the first half on the, on the defensive part. Now, and I made this point to someone after the game. I Look, I, I think there's a real argument to be made that Louisiana Tech and the skill players that Nebraska faced last weekend especially in the receiver category are the best that they will face for the remainder of the season i i think i'm not sure michigan has a better group of receivers uh and i'm not sure that really anyone else does on the rest of the schedule maybe maryland um, but I, i don't think iowa does i don't think wisconsin does i don't think illinois or purdue or northwestern do so that that to me is one thing to keep in mind i think because Smoke Harris, we know his ability. Cyrus Allen, who caught a 20-yard touchdown pass, finished with a 100-yard game, right? So I, I think I, I think LaTeX was a little bit more talented in that area than maybe people think. Uh, but it still wasn't quite where you would have liked it to be, obviously, defensively. And then on the offensive end, I, you rush for 300 yards. That's obviously incredibly impressive. Uh, but on top of that, you had two 70-yard touchdown runs that were called back. So, you know, you feel like you probably left some rushing yards out there on the board. And then on the passing side, too, there are moments that, you know, think of the Marcus Washington drop in the first half. I mean, there, there are areas where there are some critical mistakes that were made that weren't necessarily on Harburg, you know, that could have extended drives for Nebraska and potentially led to more points. Absolutely. And this – you could have easily had over 400 yards rushing because right. of those runs that were called back. You still had the 72-yard run from Heinrich Harburg that went to the house. And you mentioned the receivers, and not only are is that a good group, but, man, they use a lot of them. I mean, counting it mm-hmm. up here, what? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different receivers were used for La Tech. Now, even if that was one reception or ten receptions, which Smoke Harris had, that is a – outstanding number of receivers to use, including DeColdis Crawford, who had two re- two receptions for uh, 17 yards So in his return to Lincoln. So shout right. out to him. So uh, Nebraska looked dominant on the ground, which is always a good thing. Um, obviously, you'd like to clean up those penalties on those big plays because that could swing a game, especially against a, a better opponent such as Michigan. So you got to clean that up. And we will see moving forward how the quarterback play ends up. What's the status of Jeff Sims? What's going to happen there? That's going to be another question um, going into this game tomorrow, which is at 2.30, by the way. So, I mean, overall, if you can get a solid rushing performance out of Heinrich Harburg, I think you take that all day long. And of course. If you're a Nebraska fan, look, if he's throwing for 
125 to 150 yards, I think you kind of have to sit back and take it because there's really not a, a room for ex- expectations of like 200 plus yards. I mean, we know that Harburg's got a rocket arm. I mean, he could he could chuck the ball far. Can he do it accurately? Can he do it in high pressure moments? We've yet to see that really. Um, and I'm not trying to just bash I mean, him as a passer. The, the problem is they don't have anyone who can stretch the field. They yeah. have no one, right? Like uh, Samari. Too, I think my mic. Oh no, my mic's still working. My headphones aren't. Uh, but you 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 got Samari Toure two years ago. I mean, there there really is nobody who can take the top off a of defense, and so that's to me a major issue, uh, and that is obviously a big part of why the passing game has struggled because no one has to respect that part of the game and so and that that'll be the biggest issue for this group against Michigan is can they find a way somehow to engineer a big downfield play so that Michigan doesn't just load the box all game because they're fundamentally sound enough their linebackers are fast enough they'll be able to defend the speed option or just the option in general or even just the quarterback run in general pretty well I think so you're gonna have to find ways to empty that box out a little bit, uh, especially, and in, in you can't find yourself behind the sticks after first down. You know, third, second down and 11, second down and 12, that's a major red flag, right? Even if it's a loss of one or two yards. So that'll be one of the things I'm watching is, is there a way that, whether it be Malachi Coleman, um, you know, even Tom, Thomas Fedoni, and um, Fedoni isn't your typical stretch the field, you know, burner threat, but finding Fedoni open over the middle, you know, something like that to just try to alleviate some of the pressure on the run game. That that'll be the biggest key. If Nebraska wants to find a way to win this game, they're going to have to stretch the field somehow. So I got two questions, and this will kind of transition us into our Michigan preview here today. You think Marcus Washington? At least I thought in the offseason would be that guy that can stretch the field, right? I mean, he wasn't used in that way last year, but like, who who's your other option? Right. right. I, I mean, he never. There was never anyone who was directly doing that, I felt like. You know, from returning. You know, Trey Palmer was your guy to do that a year right. ago. Now, I, I don't know. I, I, th- I think I, I, Washington always struck me as your route runner, 10 to 15 yards down the field, and make a catch. And dependable, which he was not last week on that, on right. that drop. I feel I just crucial. in my opinion I feel like Billy Kemp has almost kind of taken that role because that's what he did at Virginia so well. Right, you have well the that's a problem. You have two of those guys. You yeah. have one of those guys who plays in the slot, and you have another guy who's on the edge. The problem is there is no one to get you deep. You know that again, that, and you saw it. I mean that first play of the game, the first play of the game, they're trying to set a deep shot up for Malachi Coleman deep, and they can't protect. Yeah. So that's the other wrinkle to that, right? Even if they can get somebody who can get behind the defense, like a Malachi Coleman or a Tommy Hill, who actually has done it at different points this year, can you protect long enough for Harburg to get a chance to give an accurate ball to him? And then can Harburg actually deliver that accurate pass? So here's question number two for you, and I'll, I'll add some context here. So Michigan's favored by 17 this weekend. The over-under is 39 with that 17-point spread, which is a – miraculously low over under they also have the best scoring defense in the country at five seven five points a game Mm -hmm. does nebraska score tomorrow 
Well, I haven't been shut out in quite some time. I, I'm trying to remember how long the streak's been on that. And they weren't shut out against Michigan in Arbor a year ago. Traditionally, Nebraska's actually not had a real blowout loss to Michigan at in Lincoln, uh, if I remember correctly. So I mean, Two years ago, it was a great game, obviously. Right, and I'm not expecting something like that because I don't think either of these offenses are that good. Uh, at least, as, let me rephrase that, are as good as they were two years ago. Uh, the, the thing that is interesting to me is this game will go quickly. And so, because both teams are going to run the ball, I, I think Nebraska is going to need to force a turnover or two in order to make this thing interesting. And look, you've seen teams that are not good, or at least by conventional wisdom, not good, stick with Michigan at least to halftime. I mean, Bowling Green, it was 7-6 to six at the half, and Bowling Green had a chance to take the lead. I think they turned it over in that game like four or five times, despite having the three interceptions uh, of, of J.J. McCarthy. And then Rutgers, who, look, I think a lot of people think Rutgers is better than, again, what you would normally think a Rutgers team would be. I, I don't know how good they are. I, I don't think they're incredible. Um, Rutgers also hung with Michigan for a half in Ann Arbor, and it was 14-7 to at halftime. And you have you can make a pretty strong argument that Northwestern – or Northwestern – Rutgers uh, – that Rutgers should have had more points in that first half. So there's going to be limited possessions, which means Nebraska needs to limit its errors – but its defense is more than capable of keeping it in this game, I think, at least until halftime, and we'll see what happens after that if Michigan is able to wear Nebraska down into the third and fourth quarter. I think I was listening to Joel Klatt earlier this week, and I'm going to use the analogy that he used, and I thought it was very, very accurate when it came to describing Michigan, and that was he described them as a boa constrictor because yeah, that's a good point. they just slowly but surely, they strut with confidence, right? I mean, they're a really good football team. They're number two in the country for a reason. Even if they get down like they did against Rutgers early on that long slant that was a broken tackle, went for a 70-plus yard touchdown, Yep, they still just kind of move how they move, and then they start to wear you down, as you mentioned, which will probably happen tomorrow, and they continue to just play Michigan football. Now, the problem with that is, and this will start to show itself once Michigan actually faces some real competition, is that as you face a better opponent, that is not going to work. I mean, you're going to you're eventually going to find a team that you're going to play. But I'm saying be it, it Penn State, be it I mean, I think it's probably more likely Penn State than Ohio State, but it be a one of those two teams that you're going to mess around and start slow in the first half. They will jump on you and you're not going to be prepared to get back. So I, I think there's some major red flags for Michigan despite that boa constrictor style, but it's not easy. It's not easy to sustain that and I just I, I I worry for Michigan uh, that once they face some better teams that they can't kind of just mess around with, play with their food, it, it'll come back and burn them. Well, I think that's fair. I, th- I think you're absolutely right, especially when it comes to a, a Penn State or an Ohio State game. But I'm talking like this week, that can win them the game by multiple scores, I think. I mean, yes, Nebraska you could probably say is the best team that they have faced thus far. I think that's probably a fair take. But at the same time, like, they can move how they want to move against this team. Now, obviously, the, the defense is good. The defense for Nebraska is good. But again, I'll, and I'll, I'll go back to the question that initially sparked this conversation. Can Nebraska put points on the board in this game? Maybe a field goal. But, like, I'm having trouble 
and, and I'm not, I don't want to sit here and say Nebraska is going to get shut out tomorrow. I really, I really don't want to sit up here and say that. But at the same time, if that ends up, if it ends up being like a 31 nothing game or something like that, I wouldn't be shocked. I really no, wouldn't. I wouldn't either. I mean, this offense is proven that they can't score. And I know like we've had this discussion on either with our friends or on our respective jobs or whatever. I mean, even on the postgame show last week that I was on, I was, you know, I was talking about the defense. Yeah, it's great. They, they quote unquote struggled against La Tech and still only gave up 14 points. I mean, you'll take that any day of the week, but this offense scored 28 and probably the least flashy way possible that you could score 28 points against Louisiana Tech. How are you going to do that against the Michigan defense that gives up five a game? Like, how are you going right. to do that? Well, uh, but that's the thing. That number is deceptive because of who they played. It's a good defense, and I think you're going to figure out a lot. You're going to learn about a lot about Nebraska's offensive line, how far they have to go this year, how far they have to go in the big picture to at least be a viable Big Ten program. And I'm not talking like two, three, four, or five. I'm talking like six or seven in the new Big Ten, six, seven, eight, uh, where they need to get to. Because I think Michigan will be a really great example of that in the trenches. So I, I, that's where you got to zone in, I think. And I think Nebraska, I mean, look, you look at the way the Rutgers was getting past uh, Michigan's offensive line. I, I think Nebraska has a strong shot. Cam Lenhart is questionable, by the way, uh, as well. So that's a guy that could help you. But I think Nebraska has a strong shot at getting after J.J. McCarthy and pressuring him a little bit. Uh, but that's going to be critical. I mean, that, that'll be a very, very important piece of Nebraska's success in this game is that they can make him a little bit uncomfortable. I believe, I think all three of his interceptions he threw against Bowling Green was when he was pressured. Now here in the, the argument of for, you know, it's based off of who Michigan's played Ab- absolutely correct. I mean, the competition has not been up to snuff, right? But I think you can make the same argument for Nebraska's offense, right? I mean, they scored 10 against Minnesota Northwestern just oh, 100%. 37 on them. They dropped 14 on Colorado, one of which was a garbage time touchdown. Okay, they scored 35 against Northern Illinois. It's Northern Illinois. They scored 28 against La Tech. Not the most inspirational 28 points against Louisiana Tech. So I feel like, yes, the the Michigan number of five a game is skewed, obviously. And I, I think that's a good point. But at the same time, like, even against defenses that haven't been like that great. Well, you know what their ceiling is. I mean, you've always known what their ceiling. I like I, that's one thing I like. I I don't I don't understand the sort of the hand wringing going on about the offense. Um, generally, like you understand their ceiling is about twenty points a game. You know, and they're going to have to win the game by playing excellent defense and winning the field position battle on the punts. So. I, I just that does not change much for me, especially in the points per game category. Like, you knew that this game was going to be extremely challenging. It's going to be extremely challenging for Nebraska's offense, especially against a team that's really good against the run and when Nebraska can't create separation on the outsides. But I, I think everyone could have seen that coming in, and so there's this thought. Like, I I almost I almost wonder. I think why. There's so much, I mean, I can understand. You have to discuss the game in its entirety, but there's a lot more discussion, it feels like, based around Nebraska's offense versus the Michigan defense as opposed to the other way around Uh, because because that's how Nebraska's going to win. If Nebraska's going to win this game, they're going to have to get 
stops on the defensive end. In fact, they're probably going to have to force one to two turnovers minimum. Well, I think that the reason as to why that is is because people aren't worried about Nebraska's defense. I mean, they know that they're probably going to come out and play well, right? That's why the discussion is surrounding the offense because that's the area in which this team has struggled. And I know that, like, yeah, the ceiling is there. We've all known it. But that's the area of struggle. Yeah, I just – my thing is, again, you know what this team is at this point. Like, I think everybody has a really good idea of what this team is and what they do well and what they don't do well. And so you're going to walk out there and you're going to watch this offense and it's going to be like sitting on basically walking on eggshells out there hoping or praying that nothing goes terribly wrong. They're going to have to avoid turnovers. And that's the only way, like, if the offense doesn't have a turnover in this game and that ends up being, like, the biggest takeaway, that actually might be the most positive thing if they have no turnovers. And, you know, because their margin of error is so low. Yeah. Because the possessions are going to be so limited in this game. You cannot give away free ones, Um, especially ones that immediately turn into touchdowns, like the the, – fumble six or pick six against Rutgers that um the Michigan capitalized on so yes I, I don't know I just you know what this team is at this point so I I think you know that Nebraska's offense is going to struggle mightily against this Michigan defense uh you know is there more wiggle room in the rushing game there than the numbers would would say I think yes um but that to me is is not where the game is won and lost for Nebraska this week, it'll be it'll be in the run game defensively, and can they stop the run there? And when Michigan brings out play action and crossing routes for Roman Wilson and guys like that, can they defend in those situations? I mean, that that'll that that is the determinative factor, I think, for Saturday. Well, ESPN RPI gives Nebraska a twelve point six percent chance to win tomorrow. As I said earlier, Michigan is favored by seventeen points, and it is an over under. Of 39 points, I didn't know we were playing Iowa this week. That's kind of what that feels like. So, yes. Um, speaking of Iowa, we, we don't even need to go down that rabbit hole about that whole thing. So we'll save that for Black Friday weekend. How about that? So Nebraska-Michigan helmet game. I'm going to be honest. I've said this on the show before many times. I don't like Michigan. I never have. I never will. So I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm very much looking forward to this game. Even if it uh, results in a Nebraska loss, I think it's going to be a phenomenal weekend. A lot of media presence this weekend as well. We got Bustin' with the Boys live tonight at uh, the Bourbon Theater on O Street. You have the Barstool College Football Show tomorrow at 12.30, just outside of Pinnacle Bank Arena. So even though Nebraska isn't is an overwhelming underdog in this game. There's still a, a lot of media presence that's going to be here, and it's still on Fox, too, uh, so it's it's going to be a national audience for this game. Before we move on to big news, yesterday, press conference, $450 million renovation to Memorial Stadium. The big project's going to be South Stadium. It's going to be tore down completely. Uh, the renderings look pretty cool. Um, there's going to be a lot of changes, obviously, connecting East and West Stadium to South Stadium, uh, chairback seats, a decrease in uh, capacity. So depending on how you feel about that, I mean, take it or leave it. So uh, you were you were there at the press conference yesterday. Yes. So, I mean, I'll get your thoughts on on these renovations. Excited. As somebody who has watched football at Memorial Stadium yeah. for nearly 22 years, is it weird? Uh, no, I, I, I think, well, again, I, I think, you know, even pushing it to 90 was pushing it. 
so, and that, like, again, my understanding is when Nebraska took it to where it is now, <clears throat> that, that eliminated the ticket wait list, which is when the salt streak started to get into trouble a little bit, uh, yeah. especially with the losing. So, uh, now, I, I think I love the horseshoe idea um, because – you get that South Stadium enclosed. You get it enclosed on top. You add more box seating, all that stuff. You modernize South Stadium. Not only do you get all that, you move the student section behind the end zone. Awesome. The band behind the end zone. Awesome. And the, here's the thing. I mean, that that closing off that circle, making that half circle, that is going to trap the sound. Like It'll be down to about 75,000 people, but I, I think it's still it, plenty. it could end up being... Just as loud, if not louder, um, because again, all that sound is going to be trapped in there and contained better by that South Stadium mm-hmm. uh, thing. So, now I only ever went to one game in South, uh, and that was I think it was 2018 Northwestern, which Nebraska. No, it was 19 Northwestern. Yeah, which Nebraska won on a field, field goal. goal. By a kicker who I don't believe began the season with the roster, if I remember right. I can't remember his name. Well, based off of what the kick looked like, I, I hope not. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, that that has historically been a problem, obviously. Um, there's very limited bathroom access. The lines are long. Getting up and down is very difficult because you have those ramps that are fairly long ramps to get up to your seat. You can't get to any other part of the stadium, so you can only go in one way. Uh, and then... Uh, obviously very, very limited concession sales. I mean, you would go down. I, I remember, I think I went, I went to this game with my grandma and we went down to get food at halftime and came up and there was maybe two or three minutes gone in the third quarter at that point. <laughs> so, it, I mean, it's a, it is a much, much needed change mm-hmm. um, that now, I mean, the bigger issue is, you know, you're going to have people who for up to two seasons are not going to have their tickets there. Uh, in in South when South is destroyed, so that that's a, that's a growing pain that Nebraska is going to have to go through and work through, and Nebraska fans are going to have to suffer through. And then on top of that, for the student section for at least twenty twenty five and maybe twenty twenty six as well, the student section is going to be limited. Um, so you won't have that South section. So you might have to. I've heard an idea floated. You know, Sean Callahan, as my boss was talking about, basically. Uh, eliminating a lot of the faculty and staff tickets on the east side um, so that you can regain the correct amount of student tickets. Trev Albert's talking talked about basically a lottery system for a week-to-week, and that could be implemented for the season tickets as well um, for those who are in South. Um, so, yeah, that that they're going to have to get creative in solving that problem. But, again, all of that is very, very worth it for the changes they're hoping to implement in Again, you know, Trev Alberts has been talking about since he got here, finding ways to activate Memorial Stadium, use it for events, generate revenue more than seven Saturdays every fall. And I think this is obviously a great step in that direction. Yeah, it's a huge step in that direction and just another big move from Trev Alberts that has shown that he's not afraid to, you know, take these big steps and get into these big projects. And I think what he's done, and, and, and we've talked at length about this on the show, about his tenure this far and some of the decisions that he's made have been absolutely fantastic. I mean, you go back to a month ago on Volleyball Day, I mean, that was something that he orchestrated. This renovation project is something that he said they've been talking about for a year and a half now. So 
a, a lot of really great things uh, coming our way here in Nebraska. Obviously, we won't be able to experience it as a student. Um, but you know what? I'm okay with that because we don't have to deal with the construction. So that's Correct. good. So um, I went to the, the only game I've actually been to this year was in South Stadium because we were probably a little later than we normally were getting to the gate. And we were stuck in row 83, I think. Mm-hmm. That's the highest I think I've ever sat up in that stadium. It was uh, kind of an odd vantage point, but it was still, it was still pretty fun. Uh, obviously, great atmosphere and night game against NIU. So, yeah, uh, big-time renovations coming. You don't have to wait on a ramp forever to try and get to your seat. That's going to be great. Um, and I'm, I'm really excited to see what this is going to look like when it's all said and done. I think it's going to be... Obviously, it's already a premier destination in college football, but that will only enhance it. And as you said, could arguably be louder because of the insulation that that south end zone is going to provide. So big news there from Trev Alberts yesterday in a press conference and uh, the New Look Memorial Stadium coming your way in 2026. Uh, construction, well, construction beginning in 2025, that January. So there will be a season with construction. And then after that, um, it will be the new south end zone and various other renovations around the stadium. It's going to be weird in what will be the dismantled Big Ten West because you're going to have that. And then you're going to have a brand new Ryan Field out in Evanston too. Yes. So in the same same year, I believe. Big um, Ten money. So that's going to be uh, pretty wild. It's going to be weird to, to watch that here in a couple of years. So let's get into our picks. Last week, you had Penn State covering Iowa. Absolutely nailed it because Iowa doesn't know how to score. Bama beating Ole Miss, but you did not have them covering. Correct. So that's a loss. And then we both got Nebraska wrong because we both For said the, they would cover. We are now at this point, we are one in three ATS yeah. against the spread picking Nebraska this year. Don't listen I feel like to I'm gonna us. Be, I feel like I'm going to be back on the winning track uh, this week. I, I kind of agree. I had Wazoo beating Oregon State straight up. Let's go. Let's go. Uh, shout out to the Pirate, even even though he didn't coach there in the last of his years. But shout out to the Pirate anyway. I had Notre Dame beating Ohio State, and I was like a second away from being right. And then uh, Ohio State decided to crush my dreams. And Notre Dame decided to put 10 guys on the field for two straight plays. So that was cool, too. <laughs> um, and then I also had Nebraska beating Louisiana Tech, or covering, sorry, Louisiana Tech. So I'm 6-6. Six and six. You're 4-7-1 and one because you had the damn push. You need to get rid of that push. It's bothering me. So... Another great week of college football, and uh, it is my pleasure because I went first last week, so I'm going to make you go first this week, so uh, let me hear it. Fair is, fair is fair on that front. Okay, uh, Utah, Oregon State, 8 o'clock kick tonight in Corvallis. Oregon State is a four-point favorite. They are number 19 in the country, remain there after losing to Washington State last weekend. Utah is number 10, 4-0. Uh, does not look like Cam Rising will start tonight. So still working his way back. Is the Utah quarterback. But Utah is excellent defensively. So I am on Utah as a road dog to win tonight in Corvallis over Oregon State and send the Beavers to a 3-2 mark. And 0-2 in the Pac-12. That's tough. I like that. I, I think Utah has been really good without Cam Rising. You mentioned their defense. They, they've looked impressive this far and very deserving of that number 10 ranking. Well, and look, I mean, they have not been on the ball offensively, but it really has not mattered. I mean, no, UCLA, no. again, they beat UCLA 14-7, to and it's a different team without Dorian Thompson-Robinson, right? Um, but 
a year ago, they struggled against the Bruins and ended up fall, losing that game 42-32. I picked Utah, if I remember right, a year ago to win that game. Uh, and I stayed away from it last week, literally just because of that. And look, Utah won at 14 to seven and that defense, that defense is legit. Defense is legit. 14 to seven, seven of those points, or I guess six of them came via the defense Ah. on, on that opening pick six. So that's another thing to look out for. I really want to pick a game that's going to make you cringe and everybody else who's listening be like, why the, why the hell is he going even near that game? but I kind of want to do it. But at the same time, there's so many other good games that I feel like I'd just be wasting a pick. So maybe I'll throw that, uh, the game I actually want to do as an honorable mention. So um, I'm going to move on to, let's go, I'm, I'm just going to steal it from you. I'm going to go USC Colorado. Kay. Number eight USC on the road in Boulder. They are 21 and a half point favorites on the road against the Colorado Buffaloes. Obviously, Colorado coming off of a 42-6 to defeat in Eugene, Oregon. And USC has Caleb Williams on their team. So, um, USC, man, 21.5 is a huge number on the road, too. I think Colorado ends up covering, but I'm going to go US- USC winning. Um, I-, I think they win by a couple of touchdowns, but not three. Um, but U- USC is going to beat Colorado um, but Colorado will cover the over-under of that game is 73 points, which is crazy. Um, so I'm going to go USC beating Colorado, but a Colorado cover in a loss. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I think Colorado will bounce back after an embarrassing defeat in Eugene. Uh, and USC, I, look, USC allowed 28 points to Arizona State. So that defense has some major, major problems. That's one of the biggest issues for me considering USC as a college football playoff contender is that. Okay, uh, Kansas at Texas. Uh, the old Jayhawks. 230 kick on ABC. Texas is a 16-and-a-half point favorite for this one. Give uh, it to me. This Say is it. massive. I mean, that line is huge. And now Kansas has had some defensive problems throughout this year. Um, you know, Wyoming, that was a good win for Texas. They bounced back. This one's tough, and honestly, I don't like picking any of these games this week. I feel I like I do not feel good about any of these lines except Nebraska's. Uh, I think Kansas covers but loses. So Kansas number twenty-four versus Texas number three. Longhorns looking ahead to the Red River rivalry next week, and I think Kansas makes this one interesting. We'll go a Texas win. But we'll go 42-35, Texas. 42-35. Wow, I am, I am there for that type of game. That's, we can only hope and pray that that happens. That would be phenomenal. Let's see here. Where do I want to go with my second pick? I just opened up the uh, entire FBS schedule, not just the ranked teams, because that's what I was looking at before, trying to see if I can uh, get an underrated game out here in the open. Um, But I don't think I'm going to because I'm going to go to the SEC with LSU at Ole Miss. Ole Miss ranked 20th, LSU ranked 13th, LSU a two and a half point favorite on the road in Oxford, Mississippi. Ole Miss trying to bounce back from a loss against Alabama. LSU has looked pretty good this year. They are three and one with that loss to Florida State. Um, They've bounced back pretty well ever since then. This is tough, though, because you go into Oxford against uh, an Ole Miss team that I think might be pretty ticked off 
just based off of their performance. I thought Ole Miss was a team that could go into Alabama and win last week. I really yep. did. And they just didn't perform offensively. So give me Ole Miss at home. I think they end up beating LSU. I think they're going to be ticked off. They're 0-1 in the SEC, so they need this game conference-wise. So give me Ole Miss in a pretty tight game. I, I'm going to say they win by a touchdown over LSU at home. All right. And now that brings us to Nebraska then. Yes, I think. It, it sure does. All right. Uh, Nebraska is a 17-point home dog to Michigan. And look, I just, I, you know what this offense is. And, and, and <laughs> realistically, picking Nebraska last week to win and cover the spread at 21 was fairly reactionary. Now, granted, if not for a couple of holding penalties, there's a strong shot Nebraska does actually cover that number. Uh, but again, you know what this offense is. You know what it's capable of. And no matter what, Michigan is more talented than Nebraska top to bottom. So I think Michigan covers a 17-point spread. Nebraska hangs around for a half, but the Wolverines sort of grind it out in the third and the fourth quarter. I will go Michigan winning this one. Final score, 27-7. to 27 is, I think that's a pretty accurate score prediction. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I also have Michigan covering. Um, you said it. You know what this offense is. You know what they're cap- capable of or lack thereof in, in, in this team. So I'm going to go Michigan covering Nebraska. I honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if this final score ends up looking a lot like the Rutgers game. Um, I'm going to go, I'll go 31 I think I'm just going to copy it. I'll go 31-7 Michigan. I mean, I really, I think Nebraska goes into the locker maybe down like 14-7 or like 17-7. So it's still a game, but I don't see Nebraska being able to score multiple touchdowns on this Michigan team. So I'm going to go 31-7 Michigan covering Nebraska. Before we move on, I want to get my my sickos game pick in there as an honorable mention because I have to. The Cats won last week. That they did. They're 26 and a half point underdogs at home. And that's a place where Northwestern is 2 and 0 this year. They're playing number 6 Penn State. I think I think Northwestern covers that. They're definitely not going to win. Oh no. But I think they 100% cover that. I, maybe maybe I'm stupid, but they put up 37 last week against a Big 10 opponent. Um, I, I think Northwestern is going to end up covering that. A couple of other big games you mentioned in one of your picks, Utah-Oregon State tonight. That's a, a really great way to kick off your weekend. Um, one of my picks, obviously, USC and Colorado. Um, that's a big new kickoff tomorrow in Boulder. Should be a really fun game there. Probably going to be going to be an unbelievable atmosphere out in Boulder, Kansas, Texas. Um, I almost said Oregon-Stanford. I apologize. Notre Dame and Duke, that's an intriguing game as well. Notre Dame is a five-and-a-half-point favorite on the road against Duke. Duke's 4-0. Uh, we'll see how Notre Dame responds from that heartbreaker against Ohio State. That's going to be a fascinating game. Tennessee and South Carolina, Alabama at Mississippi State. Um, and then you have Washington and, surprising, 3-1 and one Arizona. Um, and they host Washington, too. So a little Pac-12 after dark for you uh, on Saturday. So... A lot of big news um, before we get out of here. And we've been kind of slacking on this and I apologize, but we need to give big shouts to the Nebraska volleyball program. They have been absolutely phenomenal this year. They're at Purdue tonight. 
Um, but they're currently a perfect 11-0, 2-0 in the Big Ten, swept Ohio State last Friday, swept a really good Minnesota team last Sunday. They're at Purdue tonight um, and then at Indiana tomorrow night um, at 6 o'clock. Then they, re- or they don't return home for a while. October 13th is when they're finally back home. They head up to Michigan next weekend to take on Michigan State and Michigan. But this is a team that has beat some pretty solid opponents. They've beaten Creighton. They've beaten Stanford on the road in four sets. They beat Kentucky at home in four sets. They swept Ohio State. They swept Minnesota. They are 11-0. They are second in the country. Just, we've been slacking on them. They needed they needed to get their time. So they, they were they've, been, they've been incredible. They've been incredible all year. They have not been challenged, it feels like, all year. Physically dominant. Uh, that is the most exciting thing about this group. They have an excellent, excellent block at the point of attack. They can attack from anywhere as well. Merritt Beeson out of the back row, be it Harper Murray out of the back row, who's a full, again, that's the crazy, that's another crazy thing. She is a full six rotation player as a freshman, which is huge. You know, her ability in the back row to pass and, and do that competently is, has been a game changer for them this year. So really excited to watch them throughout the rest of the year. And you get a shot at Wisconsin. And again, like the season, the tickets for Wisconsin for standing room, as of last week, standing room only at the top of the Bob Devaney Sports Center were like two hundred and ten dollars, and then bowl level seats are between three hundred and five hundred. Wow, I, th- that'll cost me more than my trip to Boulder. Yeah, I mean, geez, for uh, for Nebraska Wisconsin volleyball. So I mean, yeah, they've been absolutely phenomenal. I think this is the most volleyball I've watched in a single season this year, just because of how good they've been, and and they're just so much fun to watch. So. Needed to give them a shout-out once again. They're second in the country, 11-0, and they take on Purdue in about six and a half hours as we speak. So, before we get out of here, any final thoughts, Grant, after a, a big week? Baseball scrimmage tonight. Uh, I mean, it's a big – like, these two weekends, you know, with with the Husker Hoops night, and I think we'll have a – and there's a couple more like these. These are big weekends. These are fun weekends. These are one of the few weekends where almost every sport throughout the course of the school year kind of in, intersects. Um, so go out there, enjoy it, have fun. It's going to be a great weekend, and uh, we are less than 40 days to college basketball. I'm a nerd. I had to throw that in there. So Nebraska, Michigan, 2.30 p.m. on Fox tomorrow from the Great Memorial Stadium. Should be a fantastic day weather-wise. It's going to be hot, actually, um, and a lot of you know great things going on. Tailgates, Barstool Show. Pick your poison. Go have a great time this weekend. Enjoy the game. Enjoy a great slate of college football. Once again, you can find us on Twitter at C underscore Clark underscore 27 and at Hanson not Hanson. You can find our show on Twitter at Husker Weekly and search Husker Sports Weekly in the search bar of your favorite podcast networks to find our show. It's a great weekend to be a sports fan. Go enjoy it. Have fun and uh, hope for the best against Michigan. We'll talk to you next week. But until then, go Big Red.